Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 3,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 100 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder James Boyd came to give him life. The blackest wrestling podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they kick it trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in. That's on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit it, talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation We got the power of this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all that counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Hey. Welcome to the January 6th edition of One Nation Radio. I am your host, Rich Latta, of course, here with my co-host, James Boyd. And joining us today is a special longtime guest of the program, Simon Cotton. Simon, what's going on, man? Doing pretty good. How you guys doing today? Chilling, man. James, what's going on, man? I'm doing all right. Um, I am kind of sleep deprived by like trying to watch all this wrestling that is going on but yeah I'm, I'm i'm good otherwise yeah man so we're here to talk about wrestle kingdom 13 a great show overall and a landmark show like based on the uh, environment of what wrestling may look like uh, in the future um but yeah overall impressions of the show simon uh, this would be my third time watching wrestle kingdom uh, the first time was two years ago when Kenny Omega and Okada had their match at the Tokyo Dome. And then with this one, I tried my best to wake up in time for it, but I only woke up in time for the last two matches with Chris Jericho and Tetsuya Naito and uh, Kenny Omega and Hiroshi Tanahashi. I ended up catching up everything else t- earlier today, just now. But overall, I thought the show was really good. These like these Wrestle Kingdoms always deliver. If I can were to compare it to the previous two, I'd say this one is better than 12, but not better than 11. And that's just me. James? Yeah, um, I probably um, agree with that statement about the about ranking um, Wrestle Kingdoms. I think, well, this is my fifth one, yeah, right? Nine? Yeah, so I came in? Yeah, one. so um, there, this is the first one that I've ever like watched in its entirety without ever like checking out what I checking out with that itis because I ate something just like fell asleep and was like <laughs> you know what this this is a this is a well-worked professional wrestling match however I'm exhausting I, and this is and this is a tag match so in a junior's tag match so I'll peace out for now so um yeah like uh for me 
I mean, this is one of the highlights of the year for me. Every single year is ever since um, I got into this, um, got into watching um, New Japan on and off or parachuting in. And um, this is continues the the standard that they've set um, since I've been lucky enough to come around to watching their product. And I'm I'm happy. I'm a fan of um, watching their stuff because it's excellent. Yeah, I um, I think I rated this third out of the five Wrestle Kingdoms that um, we watched. I, I wouldn't put this above nine and eleven. I would put it above ten and last year. Um, yeah, it was just the. I think it was everything that uh, I was expecting. Like I, I saw a great main event. I saw, you know, I think there's only like one like real drawback on the show, but I thought Osprey and Ibushi was amazing. I thought. <laughs> um, you know, I, I was into it. Just the, the big atmosphere of Russell Kingdom, it never fails. Like, they don't miss on these. Like, so. Um, yeah. it, okay, so real quick, is the, is the drawback, the draw, is the drawback what we've been talking about, like, behind the scenes, off air for, like, the past day? Yeah, so. I, okay, so, okay, so that draw, okay, so let's do this on the front well, there's end. So two. There's, say there, there's okay. two for me. Like, so. Okay, so do you, all right, you want to get into it now? Yeah, so, like. A lot of the finishes. Well, no, no. This kind of applies to a lot of the matches. So, the the only thing that that makes me just wonder: what if there was no AEW starting? Would all these matches have played out the same way? That's that's the only thing that that is like you know possibly a drawback for me. So. uh, you're about to complain because Kenny lost. That's, that's what no, you're doing. Is no, it? not at all. I, I can do that if you want me to. Like, like not at all. Like he lost in the classic. Oh well. But like, if if you look at it, it's like wow. You know the. It makes you wonder how much of that was taken into consideration. But, um, I mean, if I if I was if I had the book, I would have put it the same way. Like all of you AEW guys or people that that are going to have matches there and all this other stuff. Y'all all holding these L's. And then, like, we'll worry about it. And then, we'll, and then if you come back, we'll build you back up and we'll put you back in rotation. Right. <laughs> and, like, if it was just, you know, booking, like, flat, like they had all those dudes, I wonder how all the finishes would have played out. So, um, the, and the other is, of course, Jay White. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So the J. Oh, okay. Can we say that until after the, we get sure. through the Omega match or the, uh, the Okada match? Because, sure. like, ultimately, I. It turned into a huge discussion. A discussion about both all of us all agreeing that like Jay White is at the very least good, so or very good. And then like it goes from, and then it turns discussion on how good he is. So like let's let's worry about that like once we get to it because they can do it. We can talk about that then, as opposed to talking about it twice. So I guess we can <laughs> start right at the top. The main event: the Ace Hiroshi Tanahashi challenging Kenny Omega for the IWGP Championship. It's a five star match for me. Um, yeah, these guys <laughs> beat the hell out of each other. It was hard hitting, physical, emotional. The when, when they talk about a big fight atmosphere, I was blown away. This was a masterpiece um, as far as, you know, so, and I hate to say this storytelling. I, I you know, <laughs> but it was like, oh, my God. A real like legitimate war between these guys like and it felt like less of a wrestling match in a sense and it was like just like a fight but in the best wrestling way you you can possibly have so uh i i thought i liked omega's gears entrance was raw as fuck um tanahashi's like his gear was was insane and 
I don't know. It's you know the the ace rides again. Played air guitar with the IWGB Championship. I was so happy for Tanahashi at the time. I was like shocked that Omega lost. It was it was a lot, you know. But uh, what did you guys think of this? Well, I was uh, doing a lot of live tweeting during this match, and I don't know if you guys how you feel about this comparison. But I was like, if I can, if I had to compare this to anything I've seen like other companies, like I feel like this in some way parallels somewhat John Cena like versus CM Punk versus like the old guy who's still trying, who's proving he's still got all this stuff, who's trying to come back on top versus this new guy who's pushing all these new different things, but of course with much better wrestling. Um, okay, so what iteration of Cena versus Punk? Like, is, are you thinking more or less like on the way to Rock or you're like actually the first match? All right. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, and uh, the match was incredible, like without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, I had just been wa- in preparation for this show. I was watching all of Hiroshi Tanahashi's previous Wrestle Kingdom matches. Uh, and that's fun that's that, gotta be fun it was uh there was only really one match that i really didn't care for it was the first one but it wasn't a big deal back then mm-hmm. and going forward he just put on clinic after clinic and this was just another example like my favorite spot of the night just because of how crazy it was just because i know how how hard those tables are is when he's going for the high fly flow through the table kenny moves he just crashed he just comes crashing down <laughs> like because WWE tables are made to break those, those don't look like these are the strong style Japanese tables <laughs> yeah yeah and as far as Hiroshi Tanahashi winning like I said it was kind of, like I said kind of comparable to John Cena and CM Punk and I kind of had a feeling like towards the end because I never saw Omega land the one wing angel mm-hmm. so I'm thinking okay either he's about to land it and beat him or he's about or Tanahashi's about to get this next high fly flow and win, and that's exactly what happened. It's funny yeah. you compared it to that John Cena rivalry. I was actually talking to Chad about this match, and I was like, I, I think he was like kind of puzzled, like you know, why Omega lost, and he's a really big Omega fan as well. Um, and I was like, wow, like imagine if Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 23 had beat Cena, essentially, like, and was able to mm-hmm. ride one more time, like, and it, that's like what mm. Tanahashi is right here, and. Had Shawn Michaels uh, beat John Cena, we would have all lost our minds. Like, like yes, one more time, fuck that dude or whatever. And then that's kind of you know, if you're a Tanahashi guy, I think that's a comparable situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, James. so for me, okay, so for me, um, there are four prominent figures, and the reason why, like, I have an affinity for New Japan, and one is number one is. Uh, is obviously uh, is obviously Okada. Number two is Tanahashi. Number three is Kenny. So for me, and I mean honestly, like two and three, are, they could be interchangeable, right? Um, but one is Okada, for is Okada is for me is Okada. But um, so like to see those those two in the ring, and you know, you mentioned um, like the John Cena um, Shawn Michaels thing. And I think it's interesting. Like I think. I think like that makes more sense if you think as far as like as far as the freshness of the acts as opposed to their actual age discrepancy because right, right. John Cena and John Cena and, and you know they're actually a, a lot older, a larger separation of ages than Kenny and um in Tanahashi. In Tanahashi. But 
I think the thing for me was um, this, like the simple storytelling of, I don't like how you wrestle. I don't like how you wrestle. Get off my lawn. You old timers don't know what was going on. They don't know what's, what's new and what's hip and what's going to change the business or whatever else. And what's to take on to a new era. And, you know, then you get into the match and, um, you know, high five flow. And, and then the, he gets the knees, Okada gets the knees up at the last possible second. And, and he's just devastated with the, with the knees in his ribs and he's hurting. And then the, 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 Kenny lays out that table. They go outside, they fight. Um, Tanahashi gets the, the the better of outside, and he looks at the season. This this fucker laid out this table, and he's going to use it on him or put him through it. And he's like, you know what? I'm sticking to my guns. I don't need to do all that stuff to have this match to beat you. And then we've reached a point further and further progressing the match where it's like, desperation, bro. I'm putting you through this table, and I'm about to high five, flow your ass through it, and I'm and and, and the ace is going to ride off. And then he and then you know. Like him not sticking true to himself and love of desperation is the reason why he went through that rich first. And from there, he's just hurting and hurting and hurting. And, you know, like, I, I love the match. Um, I I will say with the um, – uh, you mentioned something earlier. Um, I forgot what you mentioned earlier. I'm sorry. But, like, I, I just love the match. And, like, I got ch- – I legitimately got, like – choked up and felt so ashamed of myself when like Tanahashi started doing the air guitar at the end. I was like, I was so happy to see that dude get one more shot. Because we think of like all the all the like legends you grow up you grow up watching wrestling and whatever else and um their story and they get that one more shot run, that sort of deal. And you know, generally speaking, like either they get it and it's cool and then like they're just around and they're just part of the main event scene forever but they're never like get a title run like to see him get this after after this G1 after like he loses to Okada and you're like um it was that Dunkataku right Dunkataku yep and you're just like well this robbery's over and then you get to, y'all see you get to the block final and it's like holy shit he just he just went to a draw with him and like not only did he get to a draw with him he had him beat and was on the top turnbuckle about to finish him off when they uh, when they hit uh, the 30 minute mark and then he, you know, and then they have the match again and puts the, the and puts the, the contract on the line. He's like, and he beats him. It's like, we got like this dude's like, you know, it's, it's almost like watching like um somebody, you know, they just basically reverse the clock. Yeah, and like I just, you know, just appreciate of the whole story. And like, you know, I feel like if Kenny stays, he'll get the, he'll get the belt back again. That and cool, but like that story was just. I, it I was got, the right I, story I, to tell. I, I, I got from, caught up in the hype. I loved it. Like, it, was, it was the I, right I story it. Like, to I tell. Loved, like the last three, the last three matches, like the way the crowd were living and dying with Okada, Naito, and at the end Tanahashi. Like I just loved it. I was caught up in all three of them. Yeah, and it was the right story to tell. Like from the like the G one final on, it was like, oh my god, the ace is here one more time. And like, and if you didn't see that or notice it, you know, I was going for Omega, of course, that's like, you know, my favorite wrestler, but I love Tanahashi too, so <laughs> there's there's yeah. no loss like there, so, um, yeah, and I don't know if this is going to be a long run with the belt uh, for Tanahashi, and it, it seems like that might not be the case, but if it is, um, I you can't say he didn't earn it, you can't say that his performance, like that he wasn't one of the like three or four best guys in the world uh, over the past year. He just came to play all year. Like when it, you talk about pulling people in with your matches, that's what Tanahashi is a master of. And 
Yeah. And Omega, like, you know, to his credit, like, I think these guys met somewhere in the middle, uh, you know, as far as, like, the stuff Omega likes to do during a match and then the stuff that Tanahashi likes to do during a match. These guys kind of blended, you know, the past and the future all in one match. Yes. Like, I was I was so I was so scared and like upset and then like ultimately relieved and like appreciative of the fact that they, they did the super dragon plex spot or the dragon superplex spot, but he actually released and flipped him over. Because you we all remember that spot from the uh, from the first Okada um, Omega match. And I was just like, that's the dumbest shit ever. Like if he had broke his neck, what the fuck are you gonna do then? Right? <laughs> so like to see, you know, like Kenny can also adapt and not feel like he has to try to murder somebody <laughs> to get a match over. Like I appreciated that too. And Kenny was and Kenny was great and was game and you know like he was obviously like this was like he's on a run now with these three these last three Tokyo Dome matches where it's just like he he's one of the he's like he's one of those guys that, like say what you want talk about like you know how I'm a oh, weirdo also, or I'm not too much of a video game nerd or like I I might not translate to an American audience if I got WWE eyes or whatever else like. Regardless of what I have from this point forward, you can always go into the net. You can always go on YouTube or go on New Japan Network or whatever else or New Japan World and pop on these last three and pop on these last three G1 runs. Like that dude is a legend. Period. Flat out. And I think uh, with Omega, like, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, New Japan won't be ruined now. And it, it's all saved, you know, for, you know, the, the, the awful Kenny Omega who was just killing the business, you know, it, yeah. like house of tennis is like, granted, like, yes, for, I think critically his thing hasn't been as good as we all would have liked it to be to, um, before this show. Right. However, like the business didn't cave in. It's still Kenny freaking Omega. He's still one of the top four guys. He's still one of the most one of the top four most over guys amongst that crew, and he's clearly in that top tier of the four. So, like, it's always for me, like, you can put it on Tanahashi, Okada, Naito, or Kenny, and that's always the right choice because it's one of those top four, and they've been pretending that part. Now, if we turn this situation to where we're it's turned the top four turns to a top five, and I'm gonna have real concerns about who I think this first person is gonna be. Um, unless his person turns it around and we'll get to that. But like, I, I just never bought, I never bought that alternative thinking of Kenny Omega is not a good champion. Or Kenny Omega is bad for business in new Japan. I just, I just that- never bought it. Like, did you, did you not, I'm sorry. Do you not see how much Amer- like they are trying to get into the, um, American or sorry, the domestic North American, uh, Marketplace. Do you not see what him versus Jericho did for their business on as far as the streaming? Do you not see how like they've even gone further this year um, in, into North America and how they're expanding into other Western territories, like for big shows? Like that's a lot. A lot of that is due to Kenny. Now, if you don't like Kenny, fine. Just say you don't like him. Like. He can't be. He can absolutely be a prick at times, and he plays heel um, when there's reasons not for him to be a lot of times. However, you can't tell me that dude ain't dope. I'm sorry. That's like when, like, yes, he's an asshole, but like, so is CM Punk, and like, we can all, we can, it can be both. You can be good. You can, or it can be three things. You can be good. You can be not as good as what you thought it could be, and it can still be fine. It's okay for things just to be okay, or you know. In the case of this version of OK, 
you know, selling more tickets at Tokyo Dome than the prior year. I don't get and it. On, and on that note, I'm looking. I'm looking at some of the tweets I sent out during uh, the main event. Until Wrestle Kingdom 13, no Gaijin or foreigner had ever appeared in two Wrestle Kingdom main events except for Kenny Omega. Nor had one ever defended the world championship at the event. So that right there shows how highly they think of him. Like they wouldn't just give that spot to anybody. Get down or lay down. I, I mean, if it, if it leaves, it looks like they may give it to just anybody. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, um, yeah. So uh, all in all, excellent match between uh, Omega and Tanahashi. Instant classic. I think Meltzer's yes. gonna, going over five on it. Um, you think he's going to go over five? Yeah, he's he he, so, he pretty much uh, admitted it on Observer Radio when someone asked him a question. Okay. They were so like, you know, like for all this, you know, for all this talk about how he like, I you know, I I've given all these matches five or over five stars for you for twenty years now. It's like, okay, where are your five and a quarter matches then, uh, 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 Dave? Like, there are no such thing as five and a quarter. Usually, get that shit five, and if it's better than five, then you go to oh whatever, five and a half, five and three quarters, six, seven. So. I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see that five and a quarter. That's what I'm waiting on. Yeah. So maybe you'll get it. Maybe it'll be. I, I think he's going to go five point five personally. So um, that's, that's what I felt too. So okay. But yeah, um, the semi main event or double main event one, as they called it. Um, Chris Jericho defending. Let, let's not do this. <laughs> Are we calling these double main events just because, like, um, just because Jericho's in them? Is that what is going really going on? I guess. I we guess we doing that's w- it. WWE logic now. No, yeah, that's like a. It was a thing last year too. So it was like you know, I know double and main I event one. Then, you know, and then double main event two. Uh, which is actually the actual main event is double main event two. So. Um, Tetsuya Naito defeated Chris Jericho in a no DQ match to win back the IWGP Intercontinental title, the title that just keeps finding its way around his waist or up in the air or, you know, and for Naito fans, this this has to be bittersweet. Like, it's like, damn, the road to redemption went through that belt that that guy hates, you know, his character. Blah, blah, blah. You got the, but, sil- you got the silver medal. Congratulations. Oh, man, don't do that. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't do that uh, but yeah man I thought this was incredible as well this was probably my favorite Naito match along with the actually no it's not this is one of my three favorite Naito matches the other two being the G1 final against Kenny Omega in 2017 and then uh, the A block in 2017 where he wrestled Kota Ibushi but okay um yeah, Jericho was incredible in this. Like I, I wrote in my preview ahead of time, Jericho will never be outperformed at any age. Um, it's just, <laughs> just, just it's I not know. happening. Like it doesn't matter that he's fat. It doesn't matter that he <laughs> like isn't in the shape that it looks Damn, like bitch. he should be in. Bro, it doesn't matter that man. It doesn't matter. That, it doesn't matter the man got that plug in the back of the, in the back of his uh, system. That man, that man clearly is the plug now. Really, is the plug. really. Oh yeah, you can see you can see the scalp. Never mind. Like you can see like where his head is still was like his scalp is still red from like it being done in the back. 
Like that man's clearly the plug back there. Good, oh, and good man. for him. He got enough money. Why not? Yeah, long hair Jericho is back. And like the second, and he had that shot. Well, he had that Shawn Michaels mini ponytail deal from that keeps the top together. And then like literally the second that it came loose, like he had he was rustling through that match in progression where it kept yeah. getting looser and looser and looser. Tied it up. And then like the very second that man like it came loose, he wrapped it back up in the middle of that match and then went back to wrestling like all together. That like, shit I was, was like, hilarious. I see you. I see you. I see you, Chris. I see you <laughs> it was a great street fight uh i thought yes. naito looked like he just looked like he was ready to get rid of this motherfucker that had tormented oh, yeah. him for like a year straight beat him with the belt yep. uh pile drive him on the fucking stage and drop him right on his damn head uh, that was off rip off rip like it wasn't planned yeah i, I went yeah. i went four and three quarters on this match as well yeah, that's where that's where I ended up. Yeah. Um, Simon, any any thoughts on on uh, Naito getting the the belt back and getting his big win over Jericho and Jericho's performance? Well, I already t- I already said I already think I said everything I really needed to say with my silver medal comment. But <laughs> <No>. overall, <laughs> like overall, because like he had a much better match than he had when he wrestled Suzuki and won that title back after. The dome last year, but I still have a similar feelings. Like, okay, you got something, but this ain't what people wanted you to get. It's cool you got something, but it's like so. But overall, the match was great. Chris Jericho continues to amaze me. Or just what he, what he's able to do, despite what many would consider past his prime or everything, all the other usual comments you would expect. He is he's almost like far from that, or at the very least, he knows when to he he knows where to put himself. He knows what to do, what he what he's not going to be able to do now. So, and it still amazes me that he just was getting this quality of match. I think Jericho is like the um, he's a perfect example for WWE. These guys always kind of have to be who they were, and Jericho constantly changes, and he shows that he can be a top star no matter where he's at and perform on a level that's just unrivaled for anyone in his class, essentially. Triple H included at this point. Yeah. It's like... Um, he, oh, yeah, go ahead, sir. He could, you know, for some reason, I guess just WWE didn't want to push him as a top star anymore, and then he found a foolproof exit strategy, and I feel like he's bigger than ever. He's forcing people to uh, go back on his legacy and, and be like, wow, you know, maybe he wasn't just the next Shawn Michaels. Maybe he was never that in the first place. Maybe he's he was his own man the whole time. And he's had, like, there's an argument to be made. He's had a better career than Shawn Michaels. That He's had a better career than, you know, a lot of, like, contemporary top guys in WWE. And just seeing what he continues to produce at this age and the way he's going, it's like, well, when do we expect this to slow down? Not, he can do this forever at this rate. I would... I was, if we if Crown Jewel wouldn't happen, I wouldn't. Know, I don't know if I could go with you there about him being better than Shawn Michaels. <laughs> like, since uh, but. I think the thing for me is, um, I think that Jericho was able because he kept he left and kept coming back. He was able to pick and he was able to like parachute into softer landing spots to stay fresh and to like reach the. Um, I guess for lack of a better word, like reach the 
2002 comeback era of his career, which like maybe Shawn Michaels, like that era faster and get into like, I can just like, I can more or less like be put into programs and I'm always going to have some, a direction in a, in a push as far as my television and who I'm going to wrestle, whether it's like, um, you know, whether it's edge or it's Mysterio or it's Sean or, or whoever, or it's CM Punk. And like, I can stay fresh and I think he, I think he kind of figured out that game longer as opposed to like banging his head against the wall and getting overexposed and like getting burnt out and you know feeling like Ziggler or or um, or I mean you know or anybody else has been overexposed and is like in amongst the men and been pushed down to the mid card and like there's nothing dynamic going on for for long stretches of time. Um, now as far as this match, I thought this match is great. Like I, I'm with you. I have um, I had it at four and three quarters. Um, I'm. I, I love the fact that like New Japan is so different that like everything everybody has brings something to the table that's different in like style stand out. So like like that Saber Ishii match is so much different from the Tanahashi uh Omega match in the in the Okada um Jay White match, like like and also this match, like that was those two matches or the Okada match is like basically a, a very a, a great WWE singles match. Um, with a heel manager that gets they has to eat shit um, at different times in the match, and then this match it's another it's a more of a WWE style match where like there's a clear pro, uh, clear progressive line of what's going on. Like the baby face is furious, he attacks him from behind, um, he lays him out, he shines early. He um, Jericho is able to get the advantage, and then he starts using weapons, right by using that by using that kendo stick. So he starts beating the piss out of Naito with the kendo stick. Then all of a sudden Naito gets the kendo stick and he beats the piss out of him. He's showing all the charisma with the baseballs, with the baseball swings and stuff and everything else. Um, you know, and then next thing you know, like Jericho gets, gets, takes over. I forgot what he he did to take over from the um, kendo stick, but he ends up like looking at kendo stick like that's not enough time to progress to to these chairs. He starts using, they start doing all the chair play and stuff. And then they start, you know, trading trading moves or whatever, or trading um, finishers, kickout sequences or whatever else. And then Jericho says, "Enough is enough. I have the advantage, but like I clearly can't put this dude away with just a chair." And, and then, uh, um, and then my move, my code breaker, I am going to have to escalate to something else. And what does it escalate to? From for after a chair, the intercontinental title. Which brings it all it brings it all into into focus as far as like what this is all about as far as both of them is like they I took this from you I've been beating your ass from different places from us I beat your homeboy up too and I and I understand this is the thing that you actually find to be a curse or whatever else or a demotion but eventually what ends up saving them is the fact that like Jericho goes to hit him with the with the with the Intercontinental title. But Naito has a presence of mind as he's getting up and is about to be doomed to see that, like, oh, yeah, the, those turnbuckles are still exposed. F- slide under flapjack, eat a, eat a Destino, he kicks out, but okay, I got something for you. I'm going to grab this fucking thing that I've hated forever, and then I'm going to bash across your head, I'm going to give you a Destino, and I'm going to win. And now I enjoy it because it got me... I have an appreciation for it because for one time it actually gave me some bit of joy to bash his fucker skull in. So I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, this is, is that going to be his gimmick from now on? <laughs> maybe. I don't know. 
Maybe, but like, I mean, I, we don't know what his relationship is going to be with this belt, but I think, I think that it would be worse for him to actually like really care about this belt now because it helped him vanquish this foe. Yeah, that was such a thorn in his side and like fucked up in a huge part of fucking up his 2018. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, excellent match, and I think. Uh, this is going to do wonders for for Naito, like as far as you know, being involved with the Chris Jericho and a long program and coming out looking better at, in the aftermath of it. So, um, yeah. My question, I, I, I mean, I really, I will say this though, like, I'm not, I'm not enthused with his with his New Year's Dash deal and what we find as his next opponent. I'm not, right, I'm not enthused. Right. Yeah. But because so, so. honestly, for me, it was like cool now. What can we do for you to drop this belt at Don T- at, at um, Dominion, and so we can get you to win this G one, so that we can get you to Rust Kingdom, to now get a Rust Kingdom fourteen, get what you should have gotten, um last or last year. That's what I that was my thought. But then I'm looking at like, great, him Ta- versus Naito. Ta- I'm not a th- I, I, I Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I'm overstepping my bounds here. It was like. When y'all show, when I looked that up, when you suggested it in the group, I was like, "This is no better than when Daniel Bryan fought Kane." Damn, Dude, I, damn. I um, what do I want to say? Oh, yeah, so I I found out by looking at your message, and then like, who's his opponent? So now I go to Twitter to find out who his opponent is, and I saw Tai Chi Trent, and I was like, "No, <laughs> no, it can't be. It God, cannot bro. be. It cannot be this." This opera singer, this pop singing ass nigga, it cannot be him. No, and sure enough, yeah. So uh, I know, obviously, he can run, he can be serious, he can be shooter Tai Chi like Shooter Yano, but like uh, you had a good match with Will Osprey. Don't um, do not goof this yeah, up. Yeah. Don't 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 do it, Gato. Don't. don't don't do don't do it. Um, Look, I don't want no <laughs> shenanigans. That I do not want shenanigans. Now we gonna do it. Jay White in a shocker defeats Kazushka Okada in just under 15 minutes. First of all, it was an Okada match that only went 15 minutes. I didn't know they no, made no, no. those. It was, it was like 14 minutes and 19 seconds. Yeah. 14, 20 to be exact. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know they made those, James. Like <laughs> Same here. Same here. Same so, here. So Even Cody Rhodes at the G1 in uh, Long Beach got to like 30. Man. So, so Jay White came out. Uh, he looked like a superstar. He was dressed like an all white, you know, like like Seth Rollins. Like you know, the good guys wear white. The stars wear white and on Dron- big shows. At, at takeovers, right? Like it is always cool to see wrestlers bust out their all white attire. That usually means it's like some type of special occasion. It's They're coming pr- out party. Yeah, Bailey at WrestleMania. I'm sorry at uh, at Brooklyn One. The New Day at SummerSlam 2015. It's like this is the moment that I've arrived. And look, he has arrived. However, this is, but he arrived, but he didn't bring the charisma with him. So, yeah, um, I thought, and of course, James, the pants are gone. Like, because <laughs> um, who's going to after one whole year of build, the 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 longest build um, and, and most satisfying build of the show. Okada came out there. Dressed like the Rainmaker with the regular music, he wasn't out of his fucking mind anymore. He was, 
he, no more balloon he, he man. Has, no more balloons. He has his hair dyed back the right color, and he comes to the, the right ring, color. The right color, exactly. <laughs> and, and he came out there with the jacket, looking like I. You can't buy one of those. I don't know who where he gets one of those. It was amazing. And then he has like the long skirt, and I was like, okay, is is he wearing the pants? Is he going to do this? Then he pulls he he whips off the, the 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 battle skirt and then he's got the shorts underneath and then the whole Tokyo Dome gasps. James like hey, Simon <laughs> and I was like oh my god the rainmaker is here and he, they cut the Gato and Gato looks shook and I was like yes fuck this man up Okada let's go. <laughs> Unfortunately it's not what happened but Okada was excellent in this match i gave this a four and a half simply on his performance alone (laughs) it was like jy was there with him they had a good match but it's okada it's not good enough chief Mm -hmm. james Simon, Simon, what you think of this this shocking development? He beat the man with his finish. One, two, three, clean in the middle. Uh, Jay White came back from excursion last year? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Right, he came back at Wrestle Kingdom. He fought Tanahashi for the Intercontinental Championship. And a month or so later, he wins the U.S. title from Kenny Omega. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't really impressed with him through that entire stretch. Uh, his biggest moment to me was his match with Juice Robinson for the U- for the U.S. title, yep. and even then, that wasn't really a that, was at the that wasn't really a moment. Right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. But, but even then, that's not a like this huge moment where it's like, okay, this is the guy I, we want to I want to see take that next step or become the next foreigner to be the, the top guy. It was more so okay, you had this one good, you had this one great match. Now, let's see your next one. So, for the longest time, I just felt like Jay White has been someone who needs a, a little bit, a lot more time, a little bit more time, whatever it's going to take to get him there. And with him beating Okada, that was not something I was anticipating. And what is, I really want to know what this means going forward because, like, just like you said, this is the rainmaker. This ain't Balloon Man. I'm depressed. I'm out of my mind. This is. This is the guy who made the event at the Tokyo Dome, was the world champion for 720 days, the longest reigning champion in the company's history. So this is a, this is a person that was voted fourth for greatest uh, wrestler in Japan last year. <sighs> Behind like only what, like Anoki and I'm trying to think. Uh, I can't remember who else was. The only person I know for sure was like it was Anoki was on the list. Like he's on that level. I like, may it may have been like Baba or whatever else, but whatever. Um, yeah. So I guess I have to say this on the front end. And I'm also going to say this on the back end, so people can understand the words that are coming out of my mouth. <laughs> this was a great match. Jay, they had. I gave them, I gave the match four four and a quarter, four and one quarter. Uh, the thing for me is I watch this. I watch this show. And um, or the last three matches in particular, because those those are the three biggest matches. And I see Okada, I see Naito, I see Jericho losing his mind um, at, at points, and like you know, 
looking at pointing the kendo stick at, at Masahiro Chono and saying, "You like that shit, Chono?" Which is like keeping up with the tradition of of what he of, of annoying Chono like during what Rust Kingdom matches now. Yes. Um, and I and I see Kenny, you know, I see Kenny just, you know, and I see Tanahashi, you know, at all and showing all this charisma and energy and 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 everything and desperation and being able to tr- and being able to quote unquote in the old school sense of being able to emote to it to, to where you can see it from the, the nosebleeds or the cheap seats as as they call it. And then I see I see Switchblade and Jay White, whichever one you want to call him. And he can keep up with Okada. Um he's a good wrestler. He's like he had he had and he's a great he has a great size and and all that stuff. But as far as him being able to trans and, and and also this is also specifically speaking as someone who's be, who's playing heel too, like in a, in an era in a, in New Japan in this era where um, we're more focused on personalities and they can be uh, and they can you know heal up at certain stints and matches or or for fuse and then kind of you know kind of play the middle ground and most people are more towards the middle than actually on one end of the spectrum mm-hmm. and he's clearly playing heel. There's nothing. There's nothing really. There's nothing in his demeanor that's really unlikable. As more, as more as he's just a guy, a bland guy that's just there. And I'm talking from a character perspective of trying to get over what's the emotion of a match. And like his facial, his facial expressions are just dead. Um, like he does the, the throw slash thing or whatever else, but even he does that without making a face. Um. And like, there's never a sense of I need to pick this up, or I'm in trouble, or or I or I got this, or there's no there's no there's no showboating, there's no I need to, there's no desperation. Like it's just, it just feels like he's really muted right now, and I don't know why. Because, granted, I'm not a person that watches the New Japan product like like Jeremy or Josh at Keeping It Strong Style. And Josh is, you know, we we've been talking about this and. He believes that like he's maybe the best promo in the company right now. It's for especially, I mean, especially amongst the English speakers. But for me, like if you're if he's that good of a promo, when I know what Zack Sabre Jr. is doing and I know what Kenny is doing, if he's that kind of pro and Jericho, of course, if he's that kind of promo, then how is it that like that energy translating from his facial expressions and also like what he does in matches? I felt like he was just going through the motions in a match, and that's fine because he's a good ass wrestler. But what, like, what what else do you have here to to get over the emotion of these matches? Like, I felt like he was. I felt like he was so lucky to be in the ring with Okada at a point where, like, I mean, look, this is my fifth uh, new um, Wrestle Kingdom show. This is the first damn time that I and I and this I, and I believe this also speaks to the work that Josh has told me that he's done his character and also like the storytelling they've done with Okada's transformation and, and journey back to being the rainmaker and all that is that when he, when Okada came out, that was the biggest pop and the most cheered he I've ever heard him in, in, in the Tokyo Dome ever, ever. And I felt like Jay White didn't capitalize on that at all to use that to his advantage to get over what he's trying to do. Um, as far as from a character standpoint and going on in the future, like, he took the spinning rainmaker and then he and then he got picked up to go get another one and then he counted out of it and gave his sister Abigail to uh, to Okada and pinned him one two three clean in the middle and I felt like that's a flat finish 
And then I thought, I, and I rewatched it. I thought again, that's not a flat finish. But like, it wasn't a flat finish. It's a flat performer. Right. And it, so New that's, Japan that's, that's, is yeah. a great. I've said this before. New Japan primarily the appeal. They are a great match promotion. And when I say great match, I mean all time great match. Like from that that top mix. And when you're trying to break into that mix, and you're not scoring on that level, right? It's like you're a, he's a 19 point per game scorer trying to masquerade as like a 27, 28 point. Uh, he's he's messing with those guys essentially. Mm-hmm. And th- he's Rudy Gay. Yeah, and it's like. I'm concerned New Japan falls off a cliff critically with with him in there doing you know being put on top. I mean, if if they lose if they lose enough guys over time, like if the trajectory, if you say like okay, we lose Kenny this year or next year or the year after that for whatever reason, um, like uh, eventually Tanahashi will get too old for this shit because he's, he's also he's also doing movies. He might be like, look, I'm Cena, I'm, I'm, I'm okay, I'm taking the Cena route, okay, right. Um, yeah, holla. I got movies to make. I'm cutting my hair again. I'll holla at y'all. So, um, you run the risk. I mean, look, you got Osprey, you got Saber, you got, you still got Ishii, you still got Goto, you still got, and you still got all of the, all the other guys. But in the new, in the new Japan era that I've been in over these five years, when there was still Nakamura Shibata around, the top guys were the best workers. Yeah. So like if, if this is the change now, because we're trying to move on to, um, into, uh, trying to reach the U S market or the, the North American marketplace. Okay. I can understand that, but that ain't what we checking I feel for. Like, I feel like you can find better That's I, not I mean, we... at least up to this point. I look, I'm not writing, I'm not writing them off. Cause like I said, He's still very good, but like the guy that he's in the ring with and the guys in his promotion, like are beyond where he is right now. And it's been a year and he also was on excursion. He ain't like, he's not a young boy no more. Like it's time, like this needs to be the year for him to show and prove and go into G1 and kick all kinds of ass. Otherwise people are going to be like, wait, so he, he beat, he beat Tanahashi. He in the, in the Tokyo dome, he beat Okada in the Tokyo dome. What's next? Is he going to beat Naito in the Tokyo Dome in the nine? Or is he going to become champion before Naito ever gets there again? Is like, you know, like, they, they, what, what is here? Especially if Kenny leaves. Because if Kenny leaves, he has to move up another notch. Exactly. And he's he's not Kenny Omega. Like, <laughs> and, and, the thing, nope. and, the, and the thing I worry about is, I'm not concerned about him being Kenny Omega. I'm concerned about him being the top, being in the top four, being the, being the next guy to be being part of the top five, or whatever you want to call right. it. Like, Especially when now we have what appears to be um, Osprey now is never weight, which means he's going to be fighting heavyweights. He's going to be in the G one. Yeah, like this could be potentially, and also you, you throw in Saber, like this could potentially be this. Could, he look funny in the light, like real soon to come G one when like Saber and then Osprey are going out there I'll ripping it, it up, like yes. everybody, just like everybody else, and he's sitting there like. Why are you amongst like the worst? Why are you amongst like the worst as far as like your G one average or whatever? How come like I'm watching, you know, twenty matches from this fucking month long round robin tournament? And I only saw one of your matches. Yeah, and, you know, like and, I- I'm concerned about it. Yeah, he gets lost that? in the shuffle. If he gets lost in the shuffle, like, you know, like I I, I think 
given the push, like it's gonna look bad. It's gonna look bad in retrospect. It's gonna look great. And if and it feels you know like it was Night the end Toe of an era. <clears throat> like if right. it, it, like the that era you talked about, it feels like we closed that era up like in at Wrestle Kingdom thirteen, regardless of what happened. Thirteen like, or yeah, yeah. We, okay. we we closed that era up, and this is like something. I mean, different. yeah, with all the with, you know, not even close it up. Jay White kills. I can see that. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, like if Kenny leaves, plus the young bucks who were you know great uh, just stable of junior tags, and also you know made it up to heavyweight um, recently. Like, yeah, I can definitely see that because those were mainstays in the product. And then, you know, Kushida might be gone, too. So, yeah, I definitely see the end of there. Like, we're losing a, we're losing an ace. We're losing a, we're losing a top gaijin, possibly. Like, we're losing a top tag team. Yeah, this definitely turn, This definitely feels like a, a change of the guard as far as, like, mainstays over the last five years of watching New Japan wrestling. Yeah. You're right. <clears throat> and, um... It's just it's it's very nerve wracking to see if they're going like if he doesn't get better faster there is going to be a problem and he's he's in position now to challenge Tanahashi um, this could right. be a short reign for Tanahashi and if they they belt this guy up that fast I think the he cannot continue to perform at the level he's been at you know you know what I really be upset about like I'm I'm not I'm not too happy that like I just saw a non classic get uh, out of Okada at the Tokyo Dome you know what I really be upset about what I'm not instant classic. If I if I already bought my ticket to uh, to to, uh, to the G one Supercard, and he goes out there and he wins a belt in, in Mass Square Garden, and it's not a classic. Like that, I'm, I'm literally concerned about. It. Like I spent tickets to go see like you know Okada Omega or Okada Tanahashi or Naito Omega or something like that. Like I or or Abushi Omega. I didn't pay to see I didn't him pay in the to main see event. Regular dusty ass Jay White, as as I yeah. refer to him as, like nah, right. Chief. There's still there's still room for him to become a must see attraction <clears throat> like these other guys, but like, is he gonna far, do it? But in he the next needs two to start months. showing and proving because he ain't proved it yet. Is he like let's 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 just run your scenario? Is he gonna become that guy in the next two months? I don't think so. No, no. <laughs> exactly. Usually improvement I mean, doesn't go that fast. Those two shows. Yeah. But let, let's like, well, okay. What's next? It's what? It's um. I'm, what is Beginning, it? Right? It's a junior match. Is it a Fantastic Mania? Oh yeah, Fantastic Mania. Oh, yeah. So it's it's not gonna be. Yeah, and then right. after that, what? Uh, Sakura, uh, Sakura, right? No, it's it's uh, the new beginning is after that. I thought. Okay. Okay. Sakura Genesis is around my birthday. Okay. All right. So uh, after that, we had uh, like moving on from Okada and Jay White. Um, uh, oh, like I said, it's gonna make it a, a, a criticism sandwich. Whatever, right? On the front end, I said he it was a great match. You're gonna leave with I love. Talk about my concerns and whatever, and at the end of it, so people don't don't people do understand the words come out of my mouth. It was a great match. I just thought it I thought it would be better because it's Okada in the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, and he's the best. He's the greatest wrestler of a generation. I thought you know, I thought it reached that level, and he did his part on his end. Yeah, so Taiji Ishimori uh, defeats Kushida for the IWGP Championship in 11 minutes and 20 seconds. I didn't think this one landed, and I've called Kushida the regular sex of the junior division uh, on in my preview column uh, with this. Um, this didn't have the juice that that a, that a normal uh, junior defense had, like one of the Will Ospreys, like one of the Hiromu matches. It just wasn't right. there. Uh, I went yeah, about three um, and a half with it. Yeah, I gave it. I gave it. Um, I gave it three and a three and three quarters. But I could definitely like on rewatch. Like I could see how anybody would 
I can see most people are probably going to go three and a half on it. Um, yeah, uh, they didn't get the crowd till very late. Um, and I think the story of the match and what they were trying to tell is that Ishimori is just like unstoppable in the ass kicker. But, but you know, it's veteran, uh, it's veteran, it's veteran Kushida who has been the ace for so uh, of that division for so long, and he's going to and he's going to put him in a he's going to work that arm over and he's eventually going to like get a hoverboard lock or or a key lock or whatever else or Kamora, whatever you want to call it to, do, look uh, double arm double arm hold or whatever, um, and I think it, I think it. It got to that point, and it didn't, and the technical wrestling was great, but there was something missing until late. Like I just, <clears throat> I just didn't buy that. Like Kashida could actually put him away, and then sure enough, he gets him in, the, he gets him in a, and he gets him in a hole for submission. And he, like he literally powers out the Kimura and then puts him, puts him on the shoulders, gives him the um his move. I was like, uh, okay. Simon, would but you like? I, I do believe the right person won, though. Yeah, the right person did win. Simon, what did you think about that entrance? Kashida's in particular. <laughs> no comment, <laughs> bro. This um, mask that he had on looks so lifelike, and I was like, "Oh shit, yeah, it's yeah. Kashida!" And then I was like clowning because obviously Kashida's small, but then I, I really liked the entrance because I'm like. You know, I'm a huge fan of like time travel and the concept. I literally dropped a mixtape called time travel before. So, um, you like, you like, you like Doc, you like Doc Taguchi? Loved it. Loved it. <laughs> like it. <laughs> so, like, uh, I'm sitting there watching, like, wait a second, that's Taguchi. Yep. And then, sure enough, like, on the English commentary, which, like, I listen to the English commentary as opposed to watch the Japanese commentary like I normally do by myself. But, um, I watched it and I'm just like, they actually mentioned, like, I guess they turned him over to fuck you up, and I was like, "You didn't have to point at it. We knew who it was." <laughs> I, I like when um, Cyrus was talking about the Japanese too. You know that that uh, Jericho had gotten his match or whatever. It was counting slow, fucking him yeah, out there. You know, um, <laughs> Palace was so insufferable those last two matches. So <laughs> insufferable. <laughs> I loved, I loved like, bro. I love Callus. He was talking. He he was doing the. We'll, and we'll get back to uh, the uh, the, the Kashida match. Maybe we're done, but um, yeah, we done. And the last two matches, like the stuff he said about like when Kevin Kelly was talking about like how Naito is such a perfectionist and about the performance and wanting to be you know great style and all this other stuff. And then he goes, "Who cares it's about the wins and losses and making money?" I was like, "Shut <laughs> the fuck up!" Oh, oh my god, like he. He, because of the Jericho thing, he is now officially into the he is now officially into the JBL territory where you're the hill commentator, but because you have relationships with these people or whatever else, now you're actually cutting people slack. Like so for that match against so the Jericho match, he's clearly all in for Jer- in the bag for Jericho, right? And then he gets to the main event, and after all this time of him being in the pocket of of, of Kenny. He goes and then he wants to give some he wants to give some respect to Tanahashi as far as like how much he respects him or whatever. So I'm like, dude, if you just don't do your regular stick of sucking <laughs> of, of blowing uh, Kenny Omega and get the fuck out of my face after what you just did in the previous match, <laughs> shut up. So the next match, um, the IWGP United States Championship, Juice Robinson defeats Cody in just under nine minutes. This was horrible. Um what can you do in nine minutes? It wasn't horrible. It just was like it was just there, and it was nine minutes. It's like okay, it felt like, like you y'all weren't trying to do anything with this match either. It was like <laughs> it, it, they got it, nine it minutes. 
they yeah. they went to the cheating right away, and it's just like I've seen this. Well, they only had nine minutes, so they had to get the cheating in. Yeah, this this, this was a fast. miss. This was a miss. This was not the big uh, win that Juice Robinson was looking for that nope. he needed. Compare it, compare it to actually do this. Compare it to when he lost to Cody. Yeah, that that match was way like, better. If we go if we go six months from now, a year from now, it's like what the fuck did y'all do remember, that for? Rick, Huh? It's like what the fuck? Do you, why y'all even take the belt off him? Like, <laughs> or not even that. It's like I get what you were trying to do, but like, I don't. You need to give him more time. You need to get if, if your idea was he became a champion and then he immediately fails, or whatever. But this time he's going to overcome, and he's and he also is now zero and two against Cody, and now he finally puts Cody away. So now he's the top U.S. guy, and he's also supposed to be your top completely, totally baby face Gaijin. Cool. But like he needs to be more impressive in defeating Kit, uh, f- defeating Cody. And I thought they, I thought, you know, like this was, this was not this was a this w- was not w- the this um, was like a so bad we talk- WWE we were match. About, or we were already talking about Jay White, right? Yeah, this was not the performance he sh- he had against uh, that him or uh, Jay White had um, at 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 uh, Cow Palace, like. That's the kind of match that would have that would have gotten him uh, to where they're trying to get him to get Juice. They didn't have that here. Yeah. Now, and honestly, given nine minutes, I don't know if they even want him to do that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I only gave this one two and three quarters. Um, it was it was just a struggle. Just it was out of place. I thought uh, on this show. This is one of the examples. Like a lot of people said throughout the card, that a lot of these matches suffered from needing more time. Yeah. And this is clearly one of them. This I have nothing for the, to say about this one except really just disappointed. Yeah, I mean, we've seen the thing. I think the thing is like we've seen both of these two do better against different people and also against and each, each other. other. Yeah. So it's it's weird. Exactly. I guess yeah. it's like it's just one of those things that like sometimes sometimes you click, sometimes you don't. Yeah, I guess nine about. minutes ain't helping either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I I did like that Cody came out there with all the Jaguars gear on. It was just like a dead giveaway. Like I and I, and I think Juice eventually he went over strong in the end. He hit his finisher twice on the guy, got him the fuck out of there, closed that chapter. Um, yeah, but kind of, kind is, of let um, down. Did, did, did a new opponent arise for him at um at New Year's Dash? Uh, I'm not sure. I have to check on on Juice. Okay. Um, then we had the uh, tag team match with uh, Evil and Sonata defeating Tamatonga and Tangaloa and the Young Bucks uh, to win the <laughs> IWGB Heavyweight Titles. I like the music change for Tamatonga and Tangaloa because you know I've gone on record to say you know I while I don't think they had a bad theme before, it was just like relatively flat. Like it was, that shit was boring. It was Stop, just don't, like, don't, don't, don't sure do, do, that do, shit do, was boring do, 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 and minimal. Yeah, it just, it just wasn't enough. Like and, and it doesn't this feel like arena at all. Yeah, this shit quaking. Like yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, ain't nobody really than gorillas. Like yeah, yeah, I'm with that. Uh, but I, I thought, uh, you know, I, I really like this match as well. Uh, I went ahead and gave this one four and a quarter. Uh, it was just all action, quick. Get to it. Bucks were excellent. Uh, Thomas Hong and Tang Lowe were, were in there too. And, you know, Ewan Sonata did their thing. Okay. So, um, I thought it was a really good match. I didn't, I didn't even bother rating it though. So I don't even, I don't even know what to think of what that four and a quarter you gave it. But, um, 
I uh, the things I really liked in the match were were like, you know, good guy Tamatanga. Yeah. Like he's like, look, man, we're good guys now. Like that, <laughs> you know, that that G one. Forget about that. You bring it up. That, that's in the past. Let that pa- let that past stay in that past. Let's focus on going forward. Like we're good, we're good guys now. I thought I, I just loved it. Just, I love insincere heels. Um, like insincere heels that are like still like trying to keep up the gimmick. I love that. So. Um, like a total phony. So I love I love that he like he stopped Jono from using the kendo stick. Um, I love the fact that like they were doing all this all this weird cheating stuff or or like finally got involved at, at one point. Um, I love like Kushida's like spot where he's like he get was it four dives in a row. Yeah, like the crowd like of all the people all the six people that were in that ring like the second he got in like the the tip, like the crowd just like perked up like. They they expect something big out of Sonata eventually. Like I think Sonata got to get rid of that beard. Yeah, he got cut um, that shit. That but, shit was oh awful. God, that but, but outside of that, like he look, we talking about uh, top five and all the other stuff, right? And talk about people having no charisma, or whatever else. Like, look, you can be uncharismatic or whatever else all you want to if you're out here uh, doing all the flippy and athletic stuff in the world. Yeah, Jay White, Jay ain't really at that kind of level to be out here uncharismatic. I love how uh, everything like we're saying just keeps coming back to Jay White. <laughs> like because literally, like if it, like what we were doing, we're because pulling, it's going to be a big we, deal. We, we were this pulling Jay White. Big deal for New Japan this year. We were pulling his star ratings, then comparing him to people like Goto. Goto. To well, you showed me Evil, that chart from the G One. To <laughs> just, just a lot of people in that level, like you know Hangman Page, like different stuff like that. It's like this is actually his performance level. They're pushing him on some other shit. So. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, like, um, yeah, I thought I thought this was a really good match and it was a really fun match. Like, I didn't really get into like how because I mean, this, this is another match that was short. Yeah, um, and then Zack Saber Jr. and defeated Tomohiro Ishii to win the newly uh, the new belt uh, of the British, the Rev Pro Championship. Uh, we saw their match obviously in New Orleans. Um, yes, that was excellent as well. And Which match do you like more? I think I like the New Orleans match more. Um, I mean, there's more time to it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it was like a real main event. So this one was yeah. it, it was good. It was it was fast, and it was you know we we have been critical of Saber here on this show, and I, yeah. I didn't I didn't mind him at all on the on this show, and you know I I enjoyed the match a lot. I think I gave this one for the customary four and a quarter like that. I pretty much give all the yeah. Saber and Ishii matches. Yeah, like this match only went like 11, 12 minutes, and I gave it, I, I thought it was four and a quarter as well. Um, I think, hmm. Um, I, I think I think the fact that it had a, a clear storyline in it as far as, um, you know, working over that arm so he can't do the brain, so he can't give you that clothesline and he can't give you the, um, the brain buster, I think that helped. And also the fact that he kept getting them in and out of stuff, and like I mean, they there were some sequences in this thing, in this in the wrestling of this thing, or stand up to to the floor and back up, and you know I thought it was great. Like there's one thing that pissed me off in this match, and and um, it's the same thing as the uh, Alexa Bliss and Sasha Banks deal from Elimination Chamber last year, and the um, the War Games match between Kyrie and Shayna. Somebody dives on top of you or lands on top of you with a big move splash and then it's and then or you get dropped in a or it's a falling attack or whatever, basically. And then like somebody that just, you know, just took impact literally like, oh, never mind that. No cell counter. 
Oh, roll up thing, yeah. Yeah, like when he when he got when he got that brain buster from the second rope, and then he immediately like just perk jumps right the fuck up, and then like breaks um, Ishii's arm. I'm like, what? Okay, so let me get this right. You're getting the move done to you, and a superplex is supposed to show how dangerous it is for both of you, and you both take damage. Is normally a double down spot, or it's a slow crawl for the for whoever performed the maneuver to get a cover because they're also out of it. So what you're saying is you got the more damaging, you took the worst end of this damaging thing and then you're able to get up and Ishii was also hurt. Like, get the fuck out of here. I'm sorry. Right. Like, I hate I hated that spot. There's another spot we're going to talk about with Ibushi and, um, with Ibushi and Osprey that I fucking hate it too. But this one was like, what are y'all doing? Like, what are y'all... What? But outside of that, I thought it was a fantastic match that held together airtight um, psychology-wise as far as what both people were trying to do. And um, I think I think they showcased Ishii as a badass in the fact that, like, anytime Zack Sabre thought he was he had hurt his arm enough and tried to, you know, slap him or, or kick him or whatever else, Ishii immediately started hulking up and chopped the shit out of them and, and chopped them to shreds and then or head butted them and laid them out and it was awesome. Like I, I, I would like I feel like if that match had more time it would have been better, but we only got eleven minutes for Ishii and, and, and Saber. Yeah. I hate to um, say it, but Zach Saber's kinda growing on me. That's he fine. doesn't wrestle like this all the time though. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, that like that's fine. Uh, like I and, He doesn't I, wrestle at that pace all the time. Like most of the time it's playing literally playing defense against the other guy's stuff. And it's just like ugh, that's exhausting. Yeah. That's not fun, but this one was actually fun, and he actually moved around and showed a lot more, uh, a lot, a, a lot more of a game plan. I guess that's the best way to put it. Um, because a lot of times, like, oh, he'll work over your arm a lot, and then all of a sudden he'll work on your leg a lot, and then all of a sudden he'll like he'll do another move on another body part. And he's like, wait, focus on one thing and like get this dude out of here, as opposed to like I'm I'm trying to show you that I am the that I'm the technical marvel. Yeah, man. Uh, Shingo Takagi and Bushi ended up winning uh, in the first of a good night for Lij, who won all their. They all have gold now. Um, Shingo Takagi and Bushi uh, defeated Yoshinobu Kanemaru and El Desperado, as well as Shonen Yo, to win the IWGB titles. This was a shock. I thought this was showing Yo's time. Um, they are the team in that division, but I guess this just just turned into the Shingo show, and that dude is a bear. Yes. And he's damn sure not no junior. Yeah, fuck no. <laughs> like he's he, yeah he, he did, he's it seems like he's not long for um the the junior position. So uh, Hiromu, hurry up back so we can get Shingo on to you know some other shit. But um yeah, yeah. this was all action super sprint. Got the belts off of uh, Kanemaru and Desperado. People tell me that they had this awesome run. I remember seeing them like just you know. They're not better than any team that I saw them wrestle. So uh, I, you know, they, they weren't my bag. But um, I do like their theme music. Uh, showing Yo not getting the win was a shock because, as I mentioned, those are supposed to be them dudes in this division. But maybe the chase is between them and uh, LIJ. I'd be fine with that. Going forward. Hey, you know, we don't know when Haruma's coming back. Maybe. Just maybe. Singles. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. 
Show Look, me you know, we I mean, we've been talking about it for a while about it. there's there's one that's clearly better than the other. And, you know, and I, I, no, by that time, to go out and, there's a lot of people that 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 would argue against that, that, you know, yo, yo has his fair share of supporters and he's literally like Seth Rollins, him and they're the same guy. Like, so Look, they're both they're both. <laughs> Look, both of them are great. Right. I just think that one's better than the other. And I'm team show. You know, that's, that's that's where I'm at. That's where I stand on it. And I feel like that's where you stand on it, too. It might be the WWE fan. I don't have a choice. Me, but I'm not in the them, habit but... of breaking up team. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't – look, I, whatever they do, like, they, together they're a great tag team. I just think that, like, if they feel like there is a need to split them up because to help support um, the, the juniors division, now that, like, Osprey's gone and Hiromu's gone, and we don't know, you know, we think – we can only think that um that we're going to get scrolled back at t- at points, but like Kashida could be gone too. Like they're going to be hemorrhaged out their junior division yeah. um, compared to last year when it was like loaded. Good point. But so they might they might go that route and say you know what singles singles. Mm. And then the opening match of the night: uh, Will Osprey defeating Kota Ibushi for the never open weight championship, knocking him the fuck out at the end of the match. Um, <laughs> and. <laughs> I love that move that he does, like with, with, with the arm joint. I, I love that move. Uh, I, I gave this one four and three quarters. I I wasn't disappointed at all in this match. I, I think I would only been disappointed had it been like a four and a quarter deal. Anything above that was fine for me. Uh, it was flips. It was hard hitting action. It was just it was everything I wanted. And great way to start a show, definitely. I thought it should have been later in the show. Like honestly, like I in the, the the way New Japan typically has set up for you know the way that I've watched it, there are a murderer's row of great matches towards the end, and I think that kind of fucked them this year that they didn't go that route. Like so, by the time it got to like Juice Robinson and Cody, there was just like it was like the almost the low point on the scale, and then it went back up from there, and it was I just was like say, in the, in the grand. Scheme of things, and for time's sake, you could honestly just get rid of that match in general, and it makes the show better. I mean, they're only given nine minutes, and I don't even know why they even tried. Yeah. You could put that on the. Hey, that's. <laughs> I've said enough bad about that match. <laughs> this is yeah. Yeah, like they, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, it wasn't a bad match, but the thing is, they didn't do it in favor. Now, as far as um, you know, the lecture at hand, though, look, um, well, we saw that. Or what was that tag match where you saw that sequence at uh, uh, Rev Pro? Uh, what was that tag match? Yeah, it, it was a, um, a six-man match. Yeah, it was a six-man match. Abushi and Osprey were on the uh, other sides of each other. Yeah, and like they literally teased. Like everybody's sitting there, like, "What are these two going to get in the ring and show?" You know, these two, the two are the best in the world, go and show. And then like they teased it throughout the show. They're teasing throughout that match, and it finally happened. And it was like. Uh, like a 90 second flurry of just incredibleness and like i was just like ever since that point i was like they need to wrestle like they, this needs to happen on a big stage i don't know if it's a g or i don't know if it's like you know osprey turns are it is early in or this april so i'm like maybe you know he he somehow gets to gets to never or whatever else is up in the g1 by the time we get out of april or whatever else in four months or whatever i just like it needs to we need to get to that point and then you know, you had the was it December fifteenth was the Road Two show? Yeah. Where they had that segment where like, you know, he flips over and he lands and is like, you know, literally as a whole damn anime Japan uh, anime fight. So 
<laughs> you know, I, I love this. I love this match. Yeah. Uh, Simon, what were your thoughts on this match? Uh, it was, it was like I said, a great way to start. Like that spot where Ibushi tried to hit his moonsault and then got kicked like dead in his face. Gee, you know, you, you, we, ready to talk, we, we ready to talk about this now? <laughs> I mean, we got to, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I, okay. So I'm not, this, this, is, this is not on Ibushi. This is on Osprey. Osprey ends up out the ring early in the match. And we anybody that's seen any Abushi match that have any prominence knows that you get the, the golden you get the golden triangle moonsault and you know where the landing spot is is more or less towards the dead center of the floor. He's over on the, by the other turnbuckle, so it made Abushi look like such a dumbass to run run you know from one corner to the other to the opposite corner set up and then flip where he's supposed to land on the floor towards the center. But really, Osprey's all the way, like five feet further away than that, to where he could even possibly get there, even trying if he wanted to. So it's like, why would he even bother to, to run and jump when you know where the fuck he is? And then he climbs up and then he kicks him, and it's like, this would have made more sense if all you had to do was sit in front of center hanging up on the apron. We expect him to like fall back, and then you catch him right in the middle. He, and all you have to do is climb up, kick, take one second kick. He goes on the other end, charges up to, to get to the other corner, and then kick him. I was like, you, you just made a boot like I don't know if the camera angle made it look worse or whatever else, but like uh, the whole setup between both camera cuts was made it look so bad. Yeah. And then and then you go to and then after this you see um I somebody sent it to Cornell and Cornell was like what the fuck and I and I, <laughs> yeah. I bust out laughing and people were like you know you don't have the full context I'm like he doesn't need the full context <laughs> I watched this fucking match and it immediately pulled me out of the match when I saw this 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 looked terrible. Yeah, I think so, Osprey so, just got up there too early. Like he should have waited like another second to where it would have been plausible that Abushi would have looked and and went up and did the flip rather than Abushi gets up there and then you're not even there. Like and then yeah, I, I think that's where the where, where the main issue was. But for me, that was like yeah. a, ultimately like a small deal in the match. Yeah, because, and it was early. In the, and it was early yeah. in the match, so I have to be pulled out of it early. Like I was able to get back into it. So um, I, I like the part where, you know, we talked about um, the January 15 um, deal where he flips over and lands on his feet. We got to a point where Ibushi gets uh, gets su- German suplexed and then like Osprey thought it, that bought him some time. His back's turned and he's in and, um Abushi more or less like lands on his head and then or lands on his neck or what shoulders or whatever else and then like basically like looks like a damn demon by the way his head is turned and cranked and then like no and it's starting to like shake the cobwebs out that way by standing getting straight like getting to his knees and into his feet and then like he's right behind he's directly behind Osprey who thinks he has all this time mm-hmm. and then Osprey turns around and realizes that he's fucked. And and, uh, and that, all you know is like a boomayani coming right to the back of his dome, and it was it was like damn, like that looked brutal. Yeah. So then we get to we get late, we get towards the end of the match, or we get to the very end of the match. Um, well, not the very end, like close to the end, and Abushi goes for what I now call is like the, the career ender. Where he, somebody's on the apron. Their back is turned to the, to the ropes. Are, their back are, are to the ropes. Abushi gets on the or stands or up on the bottom rope and then leans over, picks you up, 
and then and then Germans you at a high angle on your neck. So anybody that's seen any uh, Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar uh, interactions, he same thing. German happens and then uh, Osprey flips over and lands on his feet, and then Abushi was like, "Yeah, I killed the game with that one. I broke this dude's neck. He done." Turns around and it's the same thing of what happened earlier in the match. Or this time, he's the one that's like, oh, shit. <laughs> and, and sure enough, I've heard, he ends up giving him that, that flip over that flip over kick. And it's like, and then we go from there. And then, like, it just kept progressing to where we get the, that elbow. And it's like, that elbow was just gruesome. Yeah. Like, and and it's crazy because <laughs> it, it was a really big high-flying match. But for me, this was another fight. Like, it was like these yeah. dudes, like, they're going to do big moves to each other, but they're going to knock the shit out of each other at other times. It was super, it was superheroes fighting, but yes, it was, it was fighting. It was yes. a fight, yes. It was a fight. Um, like, there was a lot more physical than you would have thought from two dudes that are described as flippy dudes. It was like, look, man, you want to call Bushi a flippy dude, that's fine because he does a lot of flips, but like, you might want to check that dude's background and resume. That dude is a is, that dude was a competitive kickboxer. Like <laughs> he's he's for real. There, there, there's a reason why like where there's a reason why wherever he goes, they sell his mid kicks as like the hardest kicks in the business or amongst them. Like <laughs> don't think he's not. You don't think he, like watch that Abushi match if you think it's for play. Yeah, don't and, think uh, it's sweet. And just looking at his hits, I'd rather take a V trigger than anything. <laughs> Bro, do you remember yeah. that spot in the main event where Omega does the V trigger in the corner and then Tanahashi moves? Bro, I thought this oh, yeah, man yeah, Omega yeah. destroyed his leg. Like, <laughs> Bro, did you see the Did you see the V trigger towards the end? He put his soul into that one. Yeah. Oh, the one where they basically almost both go through the, uh, the middle rope. and yeah. the bottom turnbuckle or rope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I still think this is an all-time great show. Like, you know, just in a yeah. vacuum, it's like yeah, some people may have found it disappointing. I don't know exactly why. But, um, you know, at least from our perspective, like, you know, maybe they were, you know, Maybe the Western thing has something to do with it. A lot of those guys lost. For me, that wasn't really a big deal. Um, yeah, I don't give a shit. Like, yeah, I, I, like I care more about the more about the uh, actual. For me, more most part, like given because this is my fifth year, like and following this stuff through at different points, like like it balances out. I don't, I don't, like, <laughs> I don't give a shit. Like like, like Dominion, like it, it it all balances out. So it's like if you if you just come in to watch this one show a year, uh, as some as many of you do, and you know, but. I would I would advise following the product because there's nothing more Wrestle Kingdom will reward you for for sticking with New Japan throughout the year and then it's right also for those that and this was me after the first Okada Omega match where I was like you know what I've been doing the parachute or I've just been basically watching only I saw Wrestle Kingdom nine I saw Wrestle Kingdom ten. I saw 11 and this is like the best match I've ever seen. So I want to start actually legitimately following this thing. And I remember I called into observer live. Um, cause shout out to Simper Vivi to ask because like, you know, they, you know, they watch it. So I'm thinking like, what would be a good picking up point? And they were just like, and that's, and that, I think mean, that's the beauty about, you know, a pl- like stardom or new Japan is like, if you want to go back, cool. But you're probably better off just picking up right where you right where you um, first started, for, they like, right there, and just job. go forward. And then, like, if anything you feel like you need to you need to know, you can go back into the Google or the, or the Cage Match or or on New Japan World and check out whatever you feel like you need to. But don't feel like you need to 
like immediately crash course yourself because you'll, it can be overwhelming. Because because yeah. you say I want to watch every great match, and like, you're gonna be there forever, and you might never catch up. Your hair will be long as motherfucking Mafuzo trying to catch up all these great New Japan matches. <laughs> great way to start the year, I will say. Yeah, man. Um, so let's transition uh, into the fallout essentially of Wrestle Kingdom with. Uh, the announcement. Hold on, of, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You ain't gonna see, you ain't gonna put over the fact that or mention the fact that that, that your hair going long as motherfucking Thuzo, like they came from a TI. <laughs> they came from TI on trap music. I forgot. No? I, for, okay. I forgot about that. My bad. My bad. Um. So on New Year's Eve, uh, and then New Year's Day, in the night, there was the announcement of all elite wrestling. It's been no secret amongst the hardcore community that this was coming, and. In that time, uh, Cody signed a contract with them. The Young Bucks have signed contracts. There is a rally planned Tuesday in Jacksonville, ironically, where SmackDown is emanating from. Um, How much of that is a coincidence, do you think? Supposedly, it's a pure coincidence, but I don't believe that for a second. Thank you. I don't believe it neither. Yeah, so um, the hottest thing now in the streets is like, where's Kenny going? And supposedly WWE has laid out this mammoth offer for him. Um, is he going to go hang with his boys and all elite and create something new? And one of the things about all elite that I think a lot of people are getting excited about right now, they also signed Britt Baker. So they do have a women's division. Oh, we can talk about that too, James. Um, and, and your tweet <laughs> that, that, that blew the fuck up. Um, <laughs> and um, they, uh, they were negotiating with uh, said to be negotiating with Time Warner, who is the parent company of you know TNT and TBS, which was famously where WCW was all those years ago. And if that happens, they have enough money to compete, you know. And they were linked to a lot of people like Goldberg. They were linked, obviously, with Jericho, Kenny, the Bucks, Elite, Hangman, blah 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 down the list. I want all the <laughs> wrestling to come here and start kicking ass and taking names. I, I'm, you know, now that that is on the board, what we waiting for? I'm just so, seeing your tweet now, James. That shit really did blow up. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, because it's like, I, I get, because, you know, when I sent it to y'all in the thread, um, in the BWB thread, it had a lot more stuff because it, it was it was just a I guess a um, it was more raw and uncut. It's more like a stream of consciousness or whatever, more than actually just uh, like facts or whatever else. And had to be something that I needed to, you know, uh, distill down to being able to fit into the was it a uh, hundred and. Uh, 120, 108, or two hundred and eighty characters. So, like, I had to get, I had to dump a lot of stuff. But I thought that I did as good a job as I possibly could. Now, now, me distilling it down and seeing the way that people have responded to it, as far as uh, the replies, makes me like wish that I never sent the fucking thing. But whatever, the point still stands. Like, um, AW has only done one show, and on that one show, they had uh, Bandito, they had Ibushi, they had Rey Mysterio Jr. And they had Ray, and they had Phoenix um, in the main event, um, and they had you know in the headlining matches they had Jay Lethal as as um, as ROH champion, um, and in the match they had uh, Okada in the match, and um, 
And uh, there's one other person I'm blanking on right now. Who's the who's the? Oh, you're talking about the, the actual. You're talking about the headliners. 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 Oh, uh, Penta. Yeah, and Pentagon and headlining after Kenny. Um, but why were you tweeting then, this out, James? Oh yeah, yeah. This response is a few pe- uh, people that I've seen on here, like before we've even gotten before we even know any really anything about AEW, other than knowing that like it seems like it appears to be coming, and they're trying to get a TV deal. And before we know a roster breakdown or signings or anything else, I think Cody I was the only already, person signed. Yeah, uh, people were people were like saying or people were talking about the elite or all elite wrestling and it just being another um, another white institution. And I'm, and I'm like, well, um, it probably okay. So I don't know how people are how familiar people are with this, but like uh, the cons, they ain't white, right? <laughs> Um, the Khan family ain't white. So just moving on from there as far as like, you know, talking about if you want to talk about management, cool. Like um, uh, the chief branding officer is Brandy. Now, I don't know what the equivalent of what Brandy's role in um, the company will be, but I feel kind of confident in, 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 pres- in, in saying that I don't think WWE has ever had a – has ever had a minority rank that high in their infrastructure? I don't know. Maybe there was per one person. I just, but over the over the you know my entire lifetime, it hasn't been publicized to that extent. It hasn't been publicized. As far as hearing WWE's um, inner workings from backstage people for, about the backstage for uh, you know on and off as far as different eras or whatever else, I'm un, I'm unaware of any minority. Um, that, that's ever ranked as high as what Brady would be for this company. Now, besides the point. Um, and then there was talk about like you know they don't have any women, and it's like well, we started. But it's like look, they don't have any wrestlers. Like can we, <laughs> they don't have any wrestlers. Let's let's can we like at least you know where can we like figure out where they're gonna be, and then or not even that like at least like as dominoes fall like. If you get two or three announcements, th- two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty announcements, and then there's never no talk of women, definitely. Like, we need to talk about that. Once we get to five, we, need, we probably start talking about that, right? But then, like, you know, and then the next day after this, we, we get the Brit Breaker, the, uh, the, the Brit Breaker thing. And I don't even, the thing is, like, I didn't even, my tweet came before that. My thing was, like, look, they've done one show. Um, they had Mexicans, they had Japanese people, they had black people, they had women, uh, they had, they had one of the, not only did they have these people, they were, they were showcased and spotlighted, they didn't all lose, they, um, they were in the main event, uh, these, some of these people are fucking legends, uh, some of these people are up-and-comers and people that they spotlight, like Jordan Grace, for example, or someone like Pentagon, who, you know, because of, um, the hardcore fan here, like we don't really pay as, as much attention to Mexico, Mexican wrestling as we should, considering its proximity to us and how easy it would be to get them to come to shows, as opposed to flying in people from Japan and we treat them as like the legends that they are too. So, like, I, I thought, I thought, you know, for an Americanized product, this was this was like the most about the most as far as our all in concern. Like, it's the most diverse product I'd ever seen in the main in America. So for people to that are WWE apologists to come out and, and, and spew whatever needs to spew, it's like, look, it needs to be said on the front end and also and all throughout that like, yes, there needs to be more representation and and also needs to be more uh, 
inclusion in pro wrestling and entertainment in, in, as a whole in general. Absolutely. And, and, and we do need to have concerns about AEW potentially too. But when that's what their track record has been so far, and also the and also given what they've done on all in and all, then go into the fact that they only have one goddamn wrestler. <laughs> Can we at least wait until we get to a fifth, a, a second, third, or fourth wrestler being announced, and then do go to that point? I, that's all. That's you know. I, I think people were, is, were so prepared yeah. to bend over backwards and hate for essentially nothing when nothing exists yet. So I'm a, I'm, I'm a they were determined right to do now. that. I'm gonna shut. Up, I'm gonna shut this whole argument down. No, right the thing now. is, right. I, look, if that's how you feel, those are your concerns. You are absolutely right to have the concerns. Given looks, given opens a book, looks at all of history. Right. 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 <laughs> but have that worry at the forefront of your mind, and don't say it until it's time appropriate to use it, or or to. Or not even speculate in that term. I mean, you can speculate and wonder out why and with as far as concerns, but to already call them trash or whatever else ahead of time on the front end is like, you don't even know what the fuck's going on yet. Like, <laughs> it literally started like, a week. I saw, I saw a tweet literally that said that they were trash. And then in the second tweet, someone said, like, oh yeah, they signed uh, Brandy's uh, a part of the company and Britt Breaker was signed. They were like, oh, okay. Damn, sound like they got, they're like, damn, sound like they got it covered. Then why you even tweet that shit out then? <laughs> Go ahead, Simon. I'm gonna shut all this down right now. He's like, "Oh, what about diversity? What about representation?" Meanwhile, what what was the fallout for WWE when the black wrestlers tweeted "Black Excellence"? Oh, take all these belts. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, I don't want to hear none of that. Be quiet. Like, oh I, yeah, and then like we still, and then like you know, like we still got Mexicans coming out here with pinatas. Like that was that's not that's not that's not that's not that's not Vince Russo's WCW, which it actually happened in when they were having Mexican street yeah. fights. What what the fuck is a Mexican street fight? I don't know. Other than like, there's Mexicans in it. They were having like they, the WWE in 2000 damn 18 had luchadors coming down to the ring with pinatas. Yeah, literally weeks ago. Literally weeks ago. For no reason. Um, oh, it's, it's a lucha house party. <laughs> if you're looking yeah. for like, you know, if you you want to see like Hispanics represented well, uh, look no further than MLW. Like, it's a more authentic feeling product, like for people of color in general, actually. And you know, I would recommend that. Yeah, for rich. Yeah, for rich. Quick question: Who are the top? Who are the top? Uh, who are these top uh, Latin stars you're talking about? And um. Or Latinx stars you're talking about in um, MLW? I believe low key. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure on low key, but it may be. <laughs> um, Pentagon's there. Uh, uh, is the Phoenix Lucha there? Brothers there. Phoenix is there. Okay, uh, so um, they were in All In, right? Yeah. Last I checked. Yep. They had promised positions in, in All In, right? One was in the main event. One was in the match with Kenny Omega, right? Correct. Okay. Like, I, <laughs> I mean. Look what they've done with Andrade seeing all this. Yeah. Who, who's probably the best one of them all. So I don't want to stray too far into what about ism. Yeah. But it is it, it sound it's it rings awfully hollow when you make when Puma your complaint King. is about this when about thorn rocks when you live in a glass house. That's that's in and yeah. I'm, I'm leaving it at that. So so they've also got Rouge, Sammy Guevara. Um, that's right. Ricky Martinez Rouge got there recently, right? Yeah, uh, Eo de L A Park. Um, 
yeah, they, they they pretty much got everyone covered. Like if you you can pull up their fighters page, uh, it looks like they Conan getting shanked. Yep, Conan <laughs> getting shanked. Yeah, yes, correct. Um, yeah, so yeah, man, it, it, and it just it just feels like a more modern like type of wrestling. I don't know if you checked out MOW yet, Simon, but it's it's well worth a watch. I've definitely heard about it. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm gonna check it out because my because my thing is. Uh, my standard for for stuff being good or stuff being tolerable is a lot lower than both of yours. And when Rich gave, when Rich, when Rich gave that shit approval, I was like, "This shit got to be real good." Then because yeah. Rich ain't like, look, Rich will hate watch some Raw and some SmackDown because uh, because it's the number one watch thing or whatever else, and he generally has a childhood love of it or whatever else. But if it ain't worth his time and it's some shit he's just picking up, he'll drop that shit like like a bad habit. So quick, yeah. I ain't watching uh, so NFL I, football I in how long? Check out bitch, I ain't watching NFL football in how long? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, last thing we want to talk about today before uh, we get up out of here, of course, rest in peace, Mean Gene Oakland. Um, I was can sad. that be the end? Can, can that just be it? I, I, Unfortunately, it can't be. It can, I, I wish it could be, James. Um, oh, no? yeah. Okay. So Gene Oakland uh, passed away, age seventy six. He said complications from some type of liver failure. Uh, mm. Pretty much as close. I've also heard natural causes. Um, Somebody said a bad fall too. Yeah, a Maybe. fall happened uh, in, in there, and Oakland was just a classic voice um, in wrestling in WWF, the old WWF and in WCW always having the right, you know, tone, always having the right line, always just being being fucking Gene Oakland. And it's, it's hard to, ex- to, to explain. Uh, and I know this is a, is oh, a medium. Yeah, credibility. Yeah. Amongst all, amongst amongst these outsized characters that are goofballs and, and yahoos and wackos Forks. and crazy or whatever else. He was a straight man and had credibility. It's it's, it's very similar to um, like the way we felt with Jim Ross on commentary. Um during the attitude era amongst, you know, amongst all of the foolishness, like there are, there are three things there are two things you can bank on is stone cold, Steve Austin being an ass kicker and being serious amongst all of the, all the, you know, the lewd sex acts and, 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 and all the other stuff. And, and Jim Ross, like being a straight shooter and calling people out when it's guard, when, you know, when stuff is full on shenanigans and, and, and just a cartoon. So, and the same can be said about Oakland as a as a um, interviewer. He would sit there with Macho Man, while Macho Man some about the beat goes on, and 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 Ric Flair saying that like him winning the title is better than any of his ch- children being born, flying <laughs> through his fucking teeth, and he, he's sitting there with a straight face, and like you say something that's nonsense, he'll be like, "Look, cut that out," and also put that cigarette out. So, yes, <laughs> he, he for a lot of people. Um, he stood in as like almost like a narrator or almost like a person that could get exposition or what the knowledge that you would need out of um, what a character is, or what angles are, as opposed to what they do now on the main roster where they do a backstage interview. They have pretty much anybody not named. Generic uh, Renee, lady, number one. Yeah, or, or anyone not named. Yeah, or anyone not named Renee. And they ask a question, and then they basically either answer your simple little basic question, or just shrug off your question and go on and do what they and say what they want to say to be an exposition dump, as opposed to 
somebody is actually answering questions while also giving to giving you a character and a motivation and and a, and furthering a plot along. So we need more Gene Oaklands and and also Gene Oakland was also the best at somebody's a, a shit promo in an era when like you know you lived and died on whether or not you can cut promo your damn self. Like if you're a bad promo. He's going to make your promo better. If you were a good promo, he's going to make you a great promo. If you were a great promo, he made you an all-time legend. So he was one of those people that – he was quality control. That's way I put it. He was literally quality control. <laughs> one man quality control. He made everything better he ever touched. Yep. And there's very people you can say about that in like, the, in like the wrestling business that we grew up in from the 90s through now. Like there are, there are very few that are non-wrestlers – whatever else he's like 100 approval across generations like i haven't heard anyone come out and you know shit on okerlin say he did a bad job or anything like that or was problematic and you know and yeah. maybe these are stories i don't know about they don't exist like, you know for me but yeah like the only issue you might have for him is the fact that like he was gene Oakland and he was a legend in wcw and he had a um he could kind of be um he might be able to outshine the people he's interviewing at times. That ain't but his problem. Outside, but outside of that, that's it. And that's him being a victim of his own greatness. Mean exactly. by God, Gene. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, man. Like, I, you go through and, and then uh, I remember someone, um, I, I remember someone saying, like, he was a constant professional. He never broke. And I was like, look, I understand that, like, that like he's respected and loved, but look, you go on YouTube, and the best thing about Gene Oakland is the fact that like he was a great professional, has all this reel of great, excellent interviews with these people, and people having their best interviews with him. That one of the best things about Gene Oakland is you go through his outtakes, you go through the times he ever corpsed. It's the funniest shit ever. <laughs> like when, like when he does, uh, he does AWA deal with Buddy that uh, that did the what's Buddy's name that also slapped uh, that one reporter about to ask him if Russell was real that one time. It's the same guy, Schultz, yeah, David Schultz, Doctor D, David Schultz. He's like, I came from San Francisco looking for a woman. You know, I mean, a woman, and, and all that country, and he's and then like. He goes on and says, like, you know, basically there aren't any any real women out in San Francisco or whatever, which is just a deplorable thing to say. But, <laughs> like, you see Gene's reaction, you just like, dude, you know how funny you know fun had to be sitting in there in that area or whatever else. Or better yet, um, you go to another AWA promo where it's him and it's Jesse the Body Ventura, and, he bring, and he's bringing in Saito, uh-huh. right, Saito. And he talks about how they're going to be a tag team and how, like, Saito is, like – he. We're gonna make the perfect tag team because I I help his weaknesses, he helps my weaknesses, so we're gonna be strong together. And Saito comes out there, Saito comes out there, and he uh he go he give him like a two inch block of wood to break through, and he goes he goes to headbutt it. But the thing is, it's like probably like eight by eight inches as far as his width, so it's it's not long enough to have give to actually break it. It's dense, so, <laughs> yeah, it's super dense. So he goes and rears back and gives a headbutt, and he's like, "See, Japanese wood, strong. Japanese wood, strong." <laughs> and the thing is, like, Saito's English was like was killer, right? So that's the reason why he actually like made it as a as a wrestler in the United States, or one of the first Japanese wrestlers to make it in the United States to the extent and stay over here. But he's like, "Okay, cool." So he's like, "Do it again. Try it again." It's an outtake. So he goes ahead, busts that shit again. It's weaker than the first one. They bust out laughing almost on the floor. It's hilarious, bro. I'm gonna like, check that out. How did this even see the light of day? And I'm glad it saw the light of day, but how did it even get out where people can even see this thing? Is this hilarious? Yeah. Um, 
with all that said, WWE decided to ruin it all and announced that Hulk Hogan was coming back um, on Monday Night Raw to pay tribute to Gene Okerlund. They announced it right. on Twitter. Simon, when you saw this, what? tell us about it, man. I don't know. I was really actually just looking up some general things about Monday Night Raw when I was first looking it up. And I was like, okay, it's the first episode of the year. Like, okay, they got they got to have something playing, right? And then I look it up and I see this because I got cause I got the tw- I get notifications anytime WWE tweets because I write reports on them and everything. Look at the notification. Okay, what is this? Breaking news: Hulk Hogan returning to honor Mean Gene Ogilvy. The people listening to this can't see my face, but y- y'all know exactly how I feel. Just really, just to, just to honor his friend, right? That's exactly why. So where to begin with this? Okay, first of all, WWE has been increasingly trying to bring Hulk Hogan back on the television ever since they announced that his phantom uh, uh, suspension, his phantom suspension from the Hall of Fame was up, as you have, you pointed out a few <laughs> in your article. Like they brought him back to Saudi Arabia so that the heat would die down. And now they're bringing him back to TV to talk about the the recent past, we mean Gene Oakland, so that the heat will die down, so that there won't be. Because now anybody who boos him or boos anything he has to say is positioned as the bad guy. Like this, is blatant, this is blatant PR. This is There's nothing else to really say about it. And this is good. And I just feel like this is going to be the gateway. Because first it's going to be, well, he can't come back to honor his friend. Then it's oh, going to be a Hall of Fame. Happening. There's going to be a Hall of Fame induction. What he can't come back to honor his other friend. Then it's going to be an appearance on Raw celebrating some anniversary of God knows what. What he can't come back to entertain the fans. It's going to be so and so so and forth until he just back on a regular basis. And I'm not trying to hear any of this crap. Yeah, this is like. Do you remember when Chris Brown was performing? Uh, on the on the um... yes, I know, I, I got it. Yes, it was the BET Awards. Like it was, it was like his first like nationally televised performance. Like after he beat the hell the hell out of Rihanna. So go ahead. Yes, and remember when he was doing all that crying on the stage and it yes. was he had a, he had a, he literally had a performance of a lifetime. He basically danced as if his career depended on it because it probably did, <laughs> and it performed. And then he came out, and he, you know anybody anybody that's like had any type of following about Michael about um, Chris Brown know that like a huge influence in his career was Michael Jackson, like literally anybody from the past thirty years of of, of um, music. So he comes out and he sings "Man in the Mirror," and like he does all he's da- literally like dancing the night away. And then like it's time for him to slow it on down. He came out in a t shirt, a uh, soaking wet t shirt. He's been sw- he swept through that thing, and then he went to sing. Um, Man in the mirror, and once he started, he got to the first verse. That man boo cried. He boo snot cried. Yes, like as if, as if like as if like his mama passed, and like immediately I remember that right after that, Nisi Nash was like, like I felt that or whatever, and I was like, it was almost like some, it was almost like some mom like it's gonna be all right, baby. I was like, dude, this, like he ain't what, crying what, over no what, Michael what, Jackson. What, like maybe, maybe <laughs> he felt it, maybe he didn't. All I know is that was that was a hell of a that was a hell of a uh, fortunate coincidence for his career. Yeah, um, I and, and I said that to say like like it was like they used that as he Chris Brown rebuilt his career on that, and he was crying during that whole thing. But this wasn't about Michael Jackson for him. This is about how can I save my ass? And it, it looks like it worked. And, and I got through this. 
I feel like Hulk Hogan is going to do the same thing on Monday Night Raw. He's going to come out there, put some crocodile tears on, and I think, you know, I wrote a column, uh, recently went up on lordsofpain.net. Of course, uh, it was called WWE Selling the Hulk Hogan Redemption Story Through Gene Okerlund's Death, if you'd like to read it. They aren't fooling anyone, uh, me especially, uh, and... You know, I of course I've got the regular people pressed in the comment section, so uh, that's that's not a shock at all. Um, and it was just like this is another thing that that this is another part of the process. They slid him in, as Simon mentioned, uh, for Crown Jewel to kind of you know he could, there couldn't be two two new sewers at once, and now they're linking him with Gene Okerlund. I'd much rather him come back on his own merit. They'd be like Hulk Hogan is coming back to speak to the WWE Universe. I would accept that because they're bringing him on his own merit and it's not linking him trying to hide. And that's, and if it's one thing that I've like kind of made clear that it aggravates me like about WWE is when they try to hide stuff like in, in front of you, it's like, we're going to, we're going to let Roman Reigns have a losing record on pay-per-view, but we still going to end up with him in the main event of WrestleMania, it's like y'all tried to hide him. And this is this is completely different from like, you know, a kayfabe uh, win loss record or anything. But just for context, the they, they've rolled this thing out to a T. They've had the strategic TMZ placements of all these legends. They've had a couple black wrestlers come out and co-sign them as a return. And they've also had some resistance, shockingly, from, you know, hey. Uh, uh, listen. Also, the same as that black wrestler that they had come out there to try to uh, to try to tell them it was okay for them to go get that money, that oil money. Yeah, too. same so ones. There's that too. Same ones. Um, it stinks. I don't like it. And I got a feeling Tuesday when we record that show, I'm going to let off in their ass, like based on whatever happens, like even more than I did on that column. And this was I. I'm not shocked that he's back. I think mean by God Gene is is just as good as let me tell you some Gene or better, way better, way more entertaining. Flair's going to be there as well. They weren't announcing Flair on Twitter the way they were with Hogan. Um, and yeah, this is I I think that them positioning themselves as allies and rehabilitators of Hogan's image is just like it's another reclamation project for them to sell. It's another doing more work needed to apologize basically yeah yeah and there there are people that can't wait to bring him back i'm sure he's gonna get cheered but i'd love for orlando to boo the hell out of him you've hijacked crowds shit before we we know what you are as a wrestling audience you have no problem fucking up the show i'm holding out hope that you know the boo birds show up they probably won't Yeah, so Bobby Heenan passed in September of last of 2017. Um, there was no talk or consideration for bringing back Hogan then, um, even though it would have been it would have been something cool to have had him come out and talk about like one of his greatest nemesis and biggest pains in his ass in his career, as far as him uh, paying tribute and being gone. Um, Snuka. Snuggle passed, and even though, like, by all by by all accounts, he murdered someone, um, he or his girlfriend makes it even worse. Uh, they still gave it a touching tribute to him. 
but it lasted one segment and didn't have anybody come out there and talk about it. Um, so for you to say that he's part of the, um, that, that Mean Gene was, um, was a gigantic part of the, uh, fabric of WWE is, is absolutely true, but to act like you didn't have opportunities to bring, um, Hogan back for that particular, for, for different, at different points, it, it holds no water with me. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's everything you said, like it's, it's, it's a, it's a complete con job. So, I mean, and whether or not Hogan is actually really sincerely emotional, the fact that, that, um, that Gene is gone, like, I'm sure he is, but like, I don't really care. Like you did something really bad and you've not apologized for it. So, like if we're gonna treat years to so, do so. so if we're gonna treat somebody it's like if we're gonna treat this in the simplest terms as far as like be as far as behavior, like a kid, like if a kid does something wrong and they don't and you don't sit down with them and talk and have a sit down conversation, hopefully they understand that what they did was wrong, then hopefully they acknowledge and learn and move on and then move on from there. Like what's to assume that like anything has changed? And if anything nothing has changed, then why the fuck do you need them back on TV? Or also like you don't not even why do you need him on TV. You don't need him on TV. Why do you even want him on TV? I I mean, literally, is it just a pop a rating? And you know, those ratings have been He's not shit. gonna do that. Yeah, and it's if, like if the ratings come, they're bringing back like, all these people for the first raw of the year. Like Cena's gonna be there, Lesnar's gonna be there. They're adding Hogan on top of this. I think Flair's gonna be there. It's like, man. Yeah. They got a better chance of seeing on this show than Hulk Hogan. Like, what's the what's the appeal? He's back. He talks. He leaves. He ain't setting up no future program. He ain't doing nothing of interest. Like, we've seen we've seen at least that's hey WrestleMania is coming up. What am I gonna do? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. There's, there's literally nothing for him to do to come back. This dude. This, this is one of the reasons why you rarely see Rick. This is why you don't see Rick Flair around a lot of times now. There's nothing for him to do unless he's pushing some storyline with his daughter or somebody else. There's not a lot to go on with. Yeah, I, I think Hogan being back is just WWE wanting to wrap their arms around one of their legends and make sure they can make money off him forever. Like, and that's cool if you want to make money off someone forever, but like. You just got a TV deal. You're getting like you know exactly whatever your multiple millions of fraction. dollars a year from off of this um off this Saudi Arabia deal. Even though like that's that's literally his blood money too. Like how many times do you have to? How many times does WWE have to be a just be a damn cold blooded corporation or company um or whatever as opposed to like you know doing things that are one morally right or two like gives you gives more uh gives them more goodwill for their fan base that's underrepresented they don't give a damn yeah i mean we 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 already know that but it's like people need to stop trying to pretend that it's anything other than like this this cold-blooded capital capitalism like i mean that's fine but like don't try to sell me on the emotion of it bullshit like this man is manipulating motherfuckers like this man has been manipulating motherfuckers thirty five years, if not more, right? Um, when did he buy the company off his dad? Eighty three, like, like nineteen eighty three. Like the end of eighty, like basically in eighty three, he brought in Hogan whenever I was a kid to start at WrestleMania. So that's, that's like thirty five, thirty six years ago. So like, for you to tell me that a person that's manipulating um, um, the, the the public for thirty five years is actually like on some on some genuine heartfelt shit, like get the fuck out of my face. Sorry, 
Yeah. I, no. Like, Hogan didn't need to be involved in this. No. Yeah, like, they've got all those people that they can bring back that were linked to Mean Gene, like Breath of Hitman Hart, like Shawn Michaels, like <laughs> Ric Flair, like <laughs> Triple H. Uh, you know, he, he's not directly linked to him, but, you know, Triple H is like the bridge pretty much for everyone. Um, and you know, Kevin Nash, you can bring back Scott Hall, all the guys that were in WCW sting. You can bring back all, you have the choice of all these people, but no, we want to make this part of the they Hulk can bring Hogan. Back Steiner. Yeah. And, and buff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they want to, they want to make it part of this, this, you know, agenda. Um, and you're going to, you're going to hear a lot of dissenting opinions elsewhere on the internet. Um, those people were wrong. Um, <laughs> yep. sorry. Not even that they're no, look, they're not even just wrong. They're also insincere. Yeah, and you know they're not any listening. Of y'all, any of y'all get that Jesus shit tells y'all to forgive tweet? Because that's what I got. Oh my god, I got someone in the comments that that said this. You know, this is obviously written by somebody who's never done anything wrong in their life and all this other. Hey, let me say this: oh, don't, no, don't no, talk no. to me about what that's, Jesus will do. No, no, when no, Vince that's McMahon cool. made a storyline where Shawn Michaels teamed up with God. Yeah. Also, let's move aside that point, right? We talk about forgiveness, right? In order to forgive, don't you need to have an apology? Yeah. Oh, 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 I didn't think of that. You insincere fucks. Yeah, let's wrap this shit up. Yeah, man. Yeah, like. But yeah, man. Um, thank you guys for listening uh, to One Nation Radio here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Simon, let them know where they can find you. As many of you know, I am a writer for Sports Kid, so just look up my name, Simon Cotton. I'll be the first thing that comes up. Also, you can find me at Twitter at SGC Speaks. Uh, the pin tweet will be something very interesting where Stephanie McMahon said that WWE is going to become as big as Disney, so you'll get a laugh out of that <laughs> if you go see that. Also, I'm determined to be doing more podcasts coming up, so my first big thing will probably be dealing with the Royal Rumble, I guess. Because I'm not going to be watching the first Raw for obvious reasons. Other than that, that's pretty much it. Yeah, man. Thanks for uh, coming on the show today, man. Uh, make sure you guys check out all the other shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, the Outsider's Edge with Rance and Kyle, the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, Keeping It Strong Style. They have their big post-Wrestle Kingdom um, episode dropping. Grown Men Watches Shit, Wilfred Watches, as well as the Omega Luke Wrestling Podcast. Um, and, of course, I have you know the new column out, Go Show Love. Go in the comment section and let motherfuckers know uh how how ridiculous they sound a lot of people out there telling on themselves uh like hoes and um <laughs> so you know i woke I mean, up in the, look look i woke up in the comment section was a blaze with nothing but charlatans idiots and gaslighters and racists um that can all suck my dick from the back twice um yeah man so james anything to add after that <laughs> Um, uh, we uh, we we might have some impending news for you next week. <laughs> I'm gonna leave it at that. You took the cake. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, let's let's wrap this up. We out of here, man. Peace. Later. Catch you. 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.